Genre. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one light bulb changing minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. <laughs> and I'm Zach Luna. I'm Naomi. Well, <laughs> I feel like I'm Naomi. getting better at this whole introducing myself thing. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Naomi. <laughs> you're, you're a very soft self-introducer. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. should I be slating each time, do you think? Hi, I'm Naomi <laughs> Wong. It just, it's just yeah. really funny. It's just yeah. like, I'm Naomi, don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> just la, la, such a contrast la, la, la. to what you would expect. Like I it's fun just having, you know, casual conversations with Naomi on this podcast this week, just because my only interaction with her before this is as a perfectly pre-recorded voice on Geek by Night. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and she's so forceful and bossy and and cool and like slick in in that thing and then i'm like almost intimidated to like oh is she here we're gonna talk to her but she's like yeah, i'm fine i'm just here it's fine <laughs> like yeah that, that yeah, contrast I, I was like what 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 to expect um but yeah. I, I guess acting is like that huh yeah i'm definitely definitely not as uh forward as lorelei yeah nor is scottish <laughs> yeah um, no i'm yeah. definitely not a scottish Mm-hmm. Lorelai, uh, I'll be honest, a little, uh, a little bit inspired by uh, Norman Osborn, just a oh, little sure. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just so, a little I mean, bit. I, how? I mean, you know, scientists with, you know, <laughs> companies, Oscorp, yeah, huge company, Swift yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else? yeah, Swift Industries, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It's a um, good so. We today we're going back to minute uh, thirteen, yes. Which starts with General Slocum being frank with Norman, yep, and ends with Ben describing how and why he is on his ass. <laughs> uh, uh, so so yeah. Before change. we get to before we get to the the star of this minute. Uh, or, or stars of this minute. Yes. Um, let's, uh, let's wrap up this Norman scene. So, uh, yeah. So Slocum just like, yeah, I don't, I, you know, my predecessor was into this whole performance enhancing thing. Hmm. I'm not at all. I like the exoskeleton that quest aerospace is doing. Yeah. I don't really like you. I don't like what you're doing here. I want to have any excuse to pull your funding. So if you're not ready in two weeks, I'm going to do just that. And I don't understand it, Mm -hmm. but I like it as a timetable desperation move for Norman. A a ticking clock device for his character. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. I also, I kind of appreciate that Slocum is like straightforward about it. You know, like he Mm -hmm. doesn't do any 
grandstanding and grinning about it. He's just like straight up to his face. I don't like what you're doing. I don't care. I'm going to take your money away if you don't do better. Like that, mm-hmm. I, I think Norman would at least appreciate that more than like, you know, uh, being blindsided by it. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, he's not generous. being wishy-washy. He's not yeah. being wishy-washy about it. He's not trying to hide the fact that he doesn't like what he's doing. He's yeah. not giving him false hope. Yeah. He's he's simply saying like, look, man, I don't like this and I don't really want to have anything to do with it. I am forced to at least follow through on this to a certain extent because I took over from someone who did like it. I mean, it's a lot like um you know, studio projects at movies when they get yeah. a new studio head and suddenly they have all these projects that they don't really care about and are looking for any excuse to get rid of it. Yeah. Which if there weren't a couple of those along the way, we might not have ended up with this movie. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like exactly this guy's face, though. <laughs> the face he's making while he's being like, "I don't like you." Um, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. think you like that. Is a this face that he's doing with the sideways tilt is like the yeah. exact face I get from like patronizing old men when they come into work. I'm like, oh sweetheart, can I just get a ticket? I and I'm like, I work at a cinema. So uh-huh. it's like, and we have allocated seating. So we asked, right. where would you like to sit? Of course. On a seat. Yes. On my ass. I'm like, just pick a seat. Just oh pick, my God. Just I'm like, but can't just I just please. sit anywhere? No. Well, can't That's I pick actually... my own seat? Well, you are picking your own seat right now. Yeah. That's oh, actually a really good transition to, uh, uh, I'm not done with the Norman scene, but I can't, I can't ignore this transition. Um, it's a good transition to Ben's, and the Lord said, let there be light. And there was <laughs> 40 soft glowing b- lots, lots of, of it. it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I just look at that and I'm like, man, there is, I don't think there's ever been a better example of a baby boomers sense of humor than that <laughs> moment because they don't, baby boomers don't tell jokes. No, they just do like these weird Skits? Puns, but they're not yeah. really puns. They're, they're like just... oblique references, but you know, right? They're done they... genuinely. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it's such a weird, but it's very specific and exactly correct. That's yeah. exactly just that a baby boomer sense of humor. Where would you like to sit in a seat, preferably? That is it. That's yeah. the same type of it's, vibe. It's either yeah. in a seat or it's on my ass, and it's always men, and it's always over forties. And yeah. they always and they have a woman. They always have a woman next to them who immediately hits them and apologizes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a uh, thing. Yeah, uh, when I worked in retail, there was always stuff like that where. Uh, you know that that old gem where something doesn't ring up and they oh go, God. oh, I guess it's free then. Because it's free then. Oh, yeah, I, you I have, think? I always, I always have to ask. I'm like, is it an adult ticket? Have you got any discounts? If you want to give me one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yesterday I had a guy. I was on ticket. I'm trying to you know rip the tickets, send them to the right yeah, place. Yeah. So yeah. I, I I reach for the tickets. He tries to put a bottle in my hand. I'm like, no, I need the tickets. And he he's trying to joke around. I just put my hands down and stared at him until he gave me the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> like that's why the do they you, do it why that's do they the way do you it? handle it though they're, they're looking for a little like audience like oh i'm still i'm still cool or something whatever their version of cool is it's but like, like well, this is every day for me guys the only way to every counter baby, it, baby yeah. boomers are used to being pandered to is yeah, what's going yeah, on yeah that's what it is the only way to yeah. counter it is to do that sort of like blank-eyed stare where you don't yeah. engage with it you don't give them the courtesy laugh you don't right. do 
any of that. You basically you just... need to treat them like children. That's yes. <laughs> children who are being naughty. That's what. That's how you need to treat them. You just say, hmm. Like, no, mm. no, no. Or even less children and more like pets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. It's not no. it. Let's talk about how we listen. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, is, man. It is that same type of energy. Yeah. I used but, to work uh, in, a, in a cinema. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no. It was just because I, I was going way off track there. I was just saying I used to work in a cinema and I, I would get that a lot. I also got the thing where like I way preferred working in the ticket window than in the concessions because people oh. are excited, excited when they buy a ticket. They like they mm-hmm. want to see the thing or you'll get people who like don't know anything about movies. And they're like, so tell me about all these movies. Like, what's what are they? But there's a general optimistic. What are movies? What even are movies? What are they for? There's a general like excited, (laughs) we're going to see a show. Here we are getting ready for our evening type of energy. And you're giving Uh them the ticket to the kingdom. But in the concessions, people hate you. Like people love you at the ticket window and they try to be chummy with you. But at the Mm -hmm. concessions, they're not, they're just mad. They're just mad. Plot twist, plot twist. We don't have a separate box office, so they have to buy their tickets from concessions or from a machine downstairs. That's how that's how it is here too, except on Friday and Saturday nights. Those are the only times that we open up like the box. They they open up the box office. office. We were a brand new brand new cinema like just over a year ago, so they didn't build a box office. Oh my gosh. Wow. So yeah. we just get everyone and then they're like, oh, why, where do I get tickets from? They always ask you when you clearly don't have a machine. They'll right. Come to right. A point and they'll be like, uh, can I buy my ticket from you? I'm like, no, buy it from one of the tills. Where do you think you're going to buy a ticket from? Where, where am I going to, where are you going to put your card? Where like, am I going to put the, yeah, there's no money, money spot here. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, it's weird. Yeah. But any sort of when I worked at, When I worked job, at a theater... Yeah. When I worked at a theater, my two favorites were running the projection booth because I could just be, you know, the 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 hunchback phantom of the theater that <laughs> right. I truly wanted to be. Sure, um, yeah. And or or uh, I liked working concessions, but only when I wasn't running the register. If I was yeah. just grabbing the orders, I yeah. liked that best yeah. because I could focus and my time went by fast and I and I moved really quickly. So yeah. Um, that was that was my favorite. I, I it does drive me crazy when they have people working the uh, concessions who are like the slowest people. Yes, oh gosh, it's it's also uh. very frustrating being on shift with those people on the same department. Oh, I bet. <laughs> there's like a queue. I bet. And there's there should really be separate queues, but there yeah. isn't, mm-hmm. and for good reason no. because I'll serve five people in the space and time it takes them to serve one. Uh-huh. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> like how. Yeah. I don't know. It's, They're- it's, they, they just, oh man. Anyway. Um, so I want to talk about Quest Aerospace because sure. I found an interesting story about Quest Aerospace. So, oh, okay. uh, so Quest Aerospace was, uh, in the film is an aeronautical research company. Wow. But, uh, what it actually is Quest Aerospace in real life is a company in Cedar city, Utah, what? That designs and produces model rocket kits. It was oh. founded in 1992, but here's where the crazy thing is. Founded in 1992 and in 95, purchased by Toy Biz, who was later purchased by Marvel Entertainment. <laughs> Whoa. And so Marvel actually, at this point, they owned the name Quest Aerospace. So that's how they used it in the movie. That is amazing i love yeah. everything about that 
It's like, uh, <laughs> why don't we get a legit sounding like name for a thing? Ever? Why don't we just use one of the ones we own? Okay. Yeah. yeah fine. Why not? In, in 2003, uh, the guy, the founder, Bill Stein, purchased huh. Quest Aerospace back from Marvel. But that was in 2003. So after this movie. So that's how it ended up in this movie. Um, but then just, isn't uh, isn't referenced again in any of the sequels. He just just yeah. just just really wanted that name. Yeah, yeah. just had to buy a company for a few years, then we'll sell yeah. it back. But we yeah. just yeah. need the name. We just need the name for a bit. I I almost <laughs> thought you were going with it to the direction where like so you know anytime there's any reference to aerospace or if anybody ever flies there on a glider they have to go all the way to Utah to, to get to get <laughs> Oh gosh, it'd be a, quite a quite a trek from. Uh, New York City. Um, I mean, it would make sense because that yeah. scene is in the desert. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's like a lot of like desert testing facilities in like New York. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I never you stumbled know, across I, any. Yeah. yeah, I really. I, maybe on Long Island. I don't. Know. Yeah. <laughs> you got a separate thing. Um, going. Yeah. Uh, okay. Montauk. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. So meet meet me at Quest Aerospace. <laughs> That's how you. Yeah, sorry. Uh, oh man, that's a reference for like the five people who got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that like that had the Montauk thing in your brain long enough for it to still be like swirling around in their subconscious. Right. Meet me. Uh, well, we have so so yeah. two weeks, two yeah. weeks, and they have two weeks, and uh, Strom wants to take it back to Formula. Yeah. Strom, you're literally running this company into the ground. Yeah, hundred percent. There's no, there's like, no. What recovery. are you gonna do? You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna be on your ass, just like Ben Parker. Yeah, yeah. Who is, you know, not happy to be there, but is happy to make jokes about it. Uh, yeah. Dad jokes about it. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about the, yeah. the Oscorp scene other than that it is, I, you, they're really putting Norman in a really tough spot. That like nobody yeah. else, nobody's helping him at all. Like. I wish, not that I, I wish like in terms of a viewer, but like I, I, I wish in terms for the welfare of these characters that like could Strom have like tried, just tried a little bit to negotiate that. But no, two weeks, you're done, you're out. Yeah. And um, we just get one of those classic push-ins to a, a face of worry. And um, and then we go to Queens. Well, and I, and I like it that it sets up, it sets up this concept of... Um, and it's sort of a, it's honestly, it's a very Ditko kind of mentality that they have built around Norman, which is that like a board of directors is not a thing you should have as a business owner because <laughs> he owns this company and the board of directors have more power than he does. Yeah. And, and from like a Ditko politics uh, right standpoint right. like that's a bad thing and this movie is really painting it as a bad thing oh it demonizes it to to a huge degree uh yeah yeah, yeah. so I, like, I i think that's really interesting as as like a weird uh like ditko slightly sort of objectivist oh yeah, yeah yeah right yeah it's that interesting it, we, to to a degree we are i mean the the framing of the the universe they're living in is making Norman a bit more heroic and a bit more relatable than he otherwise would be in that sense. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That like, right. If we make the, the circumstances he lives in overtly hostile to that type of person that he is, we can almost give him a little bit more in terms of like, well, yeah, I can see how he'd be pretty upset about that. Oh yeah. I can see how he'd, you know, resort to things he wouldn't normally resort to that. We have 
a a clearer path through here character wise. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it also Absolutely. works as a, as a reference and whatnot. Um, yeah, and then we move on and we get uh, we get our our first of uh, two. I believe only two yeah. uh, cameos in the in the mo- movie, um, Raimi related cameos. The the next one comes uh, in a few weeks, but yeah. our first one that that you know it comes back a few times in the movie. But uh-huh. this is of course Sam Raimi's 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88, <laughs> uh, which he nicknames the classic, uh, and he has put into every movie that he's made except for uh, two. For sure. Yeah. And then there's one that is rumored that it, it is in it, but no one has been able to find it for sure. Um, wow. But uh, it's Ash it's Ash Williams' car in yep. uh, the Evil Dead movies. Uh, it's in Crime Wave, his uh, Coen Brothers movie um, nice. that he did. Uh, it's in Darkman. It's in... Uh, it's even in Army of Darkness because it falls through the portal with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's supposedly in The Quick and the Dead, but yeah. no one can find it. It supposedly like has like a covered wagon built around it oh, or it's wow. like covered in a tarp somewhere in a yeah. barn. Um, there's a few rumors as to where it is, but Sam Raimi says it's in the movie but no one has successfully found it yet. Got it. Um, and that, that was, I mean, that's a 22 year old movie and no one has been able to find this thing. That's incredible. Um, yeah. Kind of crazy. Uh, it's just in a wonder simple... if he's lying. Yeah, yeah. I know. Right. Well, like, well, but it's but an awesome it's in, powerful. It's in there. Yeah. Find it. Yeah, you know? No, it's actually not. That's one yeah. of the only ones that it's not in. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it, it is not in Oz, the great and the powerful, um, and it is not in For the Love of the Game, the baseball movie with Kevin Costner he directed. Oh, wow. Though not for uh, not for lack of trying, because <laughs> it is in a scene, but the scene was cut. Ultimately. Oh. So right. it was almost in it. Half but, points for that. Yeah. Yeah. I do love um, stuff like that. I, lo- I love that impulse to make your filmography its own yeah. little game um yeah yeah, yeah. i have- like that i like that this car is his john rathmanberg <laughs> like <laughs> it's his alfred hitchcock's own face it's his you know <laughs> right yeah yeah what's what's There's the number car. in every pixar movie the, oh i don't know the room There's number wasn't it yeah, oh, right. something like that. Yeah. I forget what that room number is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pixar has like seven of those that so they do. Yeah. Yeah. They've got like the pizza whole... truck. Yeah. They've got mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff. Pizza trucks even in, in uh, I was going to say Merida, uh, Brave. It is. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. How? Very briefly. That's in amazing. a wood carving. Yeah. Oh. It's in. Oh. Uh, the doing all the. I see. Like, yeah. Cover. <laughs> it's in uh, it's in the, the 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 really bad dinosaur one too. Um, oh yeah, it's like it's in uh, like these this rock formation is the pizza car. Uh, <laughs> is that, is that the, what, the pizza the, is truck. that the good dinosaur? The good dinosaur. Yeah, good dinosaur. Yeah, the good dinosaur, <laughs> like, which is actually you, not. You literally good. characterized the movie. You couldn't remember the name of the movie and just called it the bad dinosaur movie, and it's literally yeah. called the good dinosaur. The good dinosaur. Yeah. Oh well. You know, oh, I don't well. even know why it's called that. Why is it called that? I don't know. Uh, what what makes dinosaurs inherently bad in the first place that you have to 
show this one as being the good one like they're yeah, all it's like just it's like the good samaritan thing where you're like yeah well like the whole it's predicated on the idea that like samaritans are awful like yeah there, there's no there's no neutral or bad samaritans like if you're a samaritan like i don't know it's yeah silly, it's silly. um oh, but there ne- it is. needless adjectives needless adjectives <laughs> needless adjectives. um well they could have just called it like the dinosaur because there's already like an animated movie called Dinosaur, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, actually, but- it would have been better to call it the Good Human. That would have made more sense. <gasps> yeah. Oh. But we gotta yeah. put dinosaur on the poster, so right. Yeah, my hands are tied. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really silly. Speaking um, of dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, speaking of dinosaurs, Ben Parker shows up. Ben with Parker the- shows up. There he is, yeah. Mister Mister Cliff Robertson, and. Um, Back there is Rosemary Harris, so I guess we could talk a little bit uh, about later. But Cliff, I I think he's such a good choice for this role. And I've been looking. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to track down a book that they say has a bit more detail about cat because most casting stuff about this movie is rumor based. So uh-huh. I don't want to float other names of actors for Uncle Ben. Um, but the choice of Cliff himself uh, is a, is is I think a good one that he has that sort of quaint old American style. But like his like little story of like. His career is great. You can go back and look and like he's been around for forever. He won an Oscar in 1968. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like a legit established guy. But like two things. He was he was yeah. uh, he was uh, he refused to call people out during yes. the. Yes. Yeah. During yeah. the the blacklist and blacklist and got blacklisted himself for like yeah. 20 years or yeah. something like that. Right. And, and then, yeah, there was there was a, a separate incident in uh, 1977 where he um, he's caught a senior studio executive like forging uh right. people's names and signatures on things and like you know em- embezzling funds and whatnot and he went to the authorities and the fbi and like ratted out this executive not ratted out but like hmm. did the right thing and mm-hmm. like the fbi told him like yeah there's sort of an unwritten rule in hollywood that you don't try to like call out big studio heads for corruption and whatnot so he he didn't work for three years after that because like all that studio heads guys had friends and whatnot. But he's like more he said he's more proud of like doing the right thing and calling out that type of bad behavior, even though it cost him three years of work. He's more proud right. of that than like any award he's ever had. Like he is a genuine old school, like heroic figure. Like um right. when they did when they they made a movie in the sixties about um uh uh john f kennedy's like time in the war it was called pt 109 and part of i mean because kennedy was still around then and part of the like casting process for that movie was they had like that john f kennedy had final say on what actors he thought could best portray him and john f kennedy like handpicked cliff robertson saying like that's the type of like real american who should portray me in a war film like he he has huge heroic americana bona fides and like obviously you can't see that come across in you know a couple minutes here and there but he has that sort of decency and warmth they talk a lot about like directing a huge part of your job is just getting the right cast together and if you cast somebody who feels of a piece with that character a lot of your hardest work is is already done for you and i think like with cliff robertson he just is immediately that like warm avuncular American figure. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and he just works beautifully here. Um, at some point, I don't remember. 
what movie or or who I I it was some director or some actor who had worked with him in something uh-huh. and and hated him after oh, no. working with him. Oh, no. And I don't I and I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm like looking over his filmography mm-hmm. to try to figure out which movie it was so I can figure out who it was, but I can't find it. But somebody hated working with him and I I'm Oh, no. I need to research this more. The personal vendetta uh, against Cliff Robertson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worth investigating. But uh, yeah. this this sort of sequence again, it's it's one of those things we deal with in this movie of like, how much can we get across in a short amount of time? And like, the dialogue here is almost a little on the nose. We'll get more of it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something I love about that. Like, they just are a little cheesy. They are a little. A little goofy and they do talk very directly about what problems they're dealing with right now um there's um this thing rosemary harris does in this sequence that is one of my favorite moments in the movie and i'm i'll have to like sit here and try to unpack why but it's her de- line delivery of you know god will be thrilled don't fall on your ass like if you look at that on a page if you got a script like that and you looked at it and you saw you know the Lord said let, said, let there be light. And then your line is to say like, you know, oh, God will be thrilled. Just make sure you don't fall on your ass. Your instinct would probably be to be a bit snarky with it. you like your first maybe three like cracks at that scene might be to, you know, like really put a spin on there. You know, like, you know, oh, God will be thrilled. You know, oh, God will be thrilled. You know, that you would have that. That immediate uh, a sense of it. But like what she does in that moment is she just says. Oh, God will be thrilled. Just make sure you don't fall on, you know, that she throws it away because to her, she's not being super snarky. This is just how she talks to Ben that she is, you know, that's just who they are. It's not a extra layer of like, oh, here's where we as a scene are going to be clever. It's just Mm -hmm. it's just like a, a, a lived in relationship there. And that's hard to do. That's hard. And she just I it seems effortless. I don't know if it is. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah, she's It great. does. She's also a little uh a little bit bohemian. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's she's got sort of a like a like, you know, she used to be a hippie kind of vibe to her. Yeah. Um in this scene and it's a thing that doesn't carry on through no. the rest of the movie or it's just what she's wearing right here feels a little a little bohemian. Yeah. Just she's, a little bit. She's a late cool lady in Queens, man. Like what are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. She's uh, uh, totally. She's living in there. Um, so, I, so I yeah, found right. I found the thing I was in. Re- I was referencing. Okay. So, yeah, uh, it was the De Palma documentary. Uh, oh. Brian De Palma felt that he was he was the worst actor he'd ever worked with. <laughs> um, he he was in uh, the movie Obsession. Yeah, uh, which was a 1976 film directed by Brian De Palma, and uh, apparently he was strong armed into using Cliff Robertson as the wow. lead. And he hated working with him. He was like, everyone else is doing is uh, the quote is something along the lines of like, everyone else was acting their heart out except Uh for Cliff Robertson who ruined the entire movie. Like (laughs) he like literally said that like he he was just like, he was like, yeah, they were all working really hard though. You'd never know because Cliff Robertson was so terrible. Um, (laughs) And he like says that on camera in the documentary about him. Uh, about Cliff Robertson, who was dead by that point. That like, is amazingly just... candid. Goodness yeah. gracious! Yeah. yeah, there's. I mean, that's. Um, 
it working with people is half of the job. Like whether you get along with them on a personal level, mm-hmm. uh, you'll never both, be able both to sides. Yeah, yeah, both yeah, sides. You'll never be able to get the, the good performance you're looking for if you're not in a mutually trusting sort of, uh, yeah and, yeah, and it seemed like De Palma was really going into the situation with his arms crossed anyway. Yeah, like, um, oh, because I have he didn't to use this guy? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so he probably had a bad attitude, and then Robertson picked up on that, and so then he had a bad attitude. Like, he had no reason to, like, you know, he's like, I've been acting for 35 years at this point. Like, I, yeah. I have no reason. I have nothing to prove to you. So yeah, yeah. I'm just going to collect a paycheck, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It almost reminds I me. I get it. Yeah, there's like an old Brando story about you know Brando throwing fits. That like one thing he would do because later in his career, when Brando got to the point where he was a little off his rocker and not uh, caring as much per project, he would do a test early on in uh, in shooting where he would do one take where he was just phoning it in, and he would mm-hmm. do one take where he really was putting in all of the his real effort and being vulnerable and like you know, bringing in the whole weight of his, his experiences and doing the job well to his own eyes. And mm-hmm. he said, if the director couldn't tell the difference or didn't pick the one where he was trying hard, he would just sleepwalk through the <laughs> rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's not what a great time. work ethic. Yeah, no, <laughs> and he tried. There's like, there, there are a <laughs> lot of screen actors who do that weird trick. Yeah. Uh, that uh up. that that makes me like if I ever caught a screen actor doing one of those like I yeah. I mean I honestly one I would never work with them again and yeah. two I would think really hard about firing them that right. day. Right. Right. Of course because it's yeah. it's a but it's not just a betrayal of trust it's like it's disrespectful to the entire enterprise. But right. obviously we don't know what was going on in the set of the De Palma picture if De Palma was bringing, you know, really bad energy yeah. juju the whole way through. I just think I the it's that Brando anecdote is like the most distilled version of that sort of like bratty impulse that you can have where it's almost like the audacity of it is just like oh okay yeah you just uh you you give him a a crap test I guess yeah and see if they fly so much privilege as well like oh I guess I'll just phone it in Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I can afford to do that like yeah yeah can afford to not like there's not like there's you know Hundreds of people wanting that role. Yeah. Work hard for it. <laughs> I don't know about you, Naomi, but I've never personally felt uh, in any sense that I could pull anything like that. <laughs> like I wouldn't I, have the audacity. That, yeah, I would, yeah. That would never enter into my brain. It's like I, the smallest role on the smallest project, I am so thankful to have that mm. like you try to put your entire self into it. Like mm-hmm. that's... This is the only appropriate approach. Really. Like that, that, that <laughs> thing that you always hear uh, screen mm-hmm. actors do where they only give a good performance in close-ups what? so yeah. that like, no. you have to use the close-up in the edit <laughs> because everything else sucks. Like it's ridiculous. And so it guarant it guarantees a close up for them. Yeah. Or or like the thing where they keep stepping in the way of other actors so that they're always in the front of the camera. Like right. really like gross stuff gross I've heard stuff. of screen actors gross doing. Like, yeah. It's it is jarring that it is still when people mention in interviews like, oh, this actor was great to work with because they were still giving it their all when they were off camera and I'm like they like, should the most be. common thing. They, they should be. be. They're like, Why is it they're surprising? Like, they're always like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, oftentimes like they won't even have to be there because we'll have somebody else read the lines across from me. But like, wow, they really wanted to sit there and give their all when they're off camera. It's like, you have to 
be there supporting your scene partner. It doesn't work without mm -hmm. that. Like there, there's no way you, the I other remember, person can do their best work if you're not there, you know, being there with them. You know, I remember just this last like holiday season, we were at my girlfriend's parents and uh, mm -hmm. we're watching. She's a, her mom is a really big Bruce Willis fan. So we watched this new yeah. Bruce Willis movie <laughs> and it was like a direct to VOD kind of movie. Oh, okay. And yeah. Bruce Willis was in three scenes in the whole movie. <laughs> and anytime he was talking to someone in an over the shoulder, it was a really, really bad, bald Bruce Willis double. Oh, that wow. was in the foreground when they were shooting the other actor because he just showed up for his shots and nothing else. Wow, man. Yeah. It was really bad. It was That's really rough. bad. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. That's the life. kind of stuff. Like, don't ever become that guy. Don't, don't be that guy. that guy. Don't be that guy. Be be. And the by person... that guy, we mean Bruce Willis. Don't ever <laughs> like, be Bruce you Willis. You can <laughs> be Bruce Willis in circumstances that call for you to be Bruce Willis. Just don't be that Bruce Willis. You know? <laughs> yeah. Be be the Bruce Willis from Looper or Die Hard. Be you know. Armageddon. <laughs> be Armageddon, Bruce Willis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't don't make people run on BW. Let's time. let's not assume which Bruce Willis's are the good Bruce Willis. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I can only assume that the quality of the film suffered from having Bruce Willis double in there, but who knows, you know, maybe, maybe he does his best work that way. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, know. but, uh, I do love Cliff Robertson in this, in this role. And yeah, you know, we, we have another uncle Ben that we're going to talk about in like, uh, three years, but yeah. Who's also but great. I, but. Right. Who is also great for his own reasons. But mm. I, for this movie, like, I just, I love this Uncle Ben so much. Yeah. Yeah. It, it he has to be this sort of like moral center that, that mm -hmm. Peter's not paying attention to, but it has to come back to. And to do that in a way that's not cheesy and not like preachy and mm -hmm. not like overbearing is such a fine, like, needle to thread there and it, it there's nothing belabored about it there's he's just like a decent guy and mm -hmm. and you feel it from the moment that he's there up there fixing light bulbs i uh part of it is the way the scene's written part of it is like the chemistry of the people on the day but part of it is just like whatever your innate quality that shines through when you're reading lines uh it, it it's there i it it feels lived in and real and this scene which i guess we'll talk more about tomorrow um feels lived in and real in a, in a very yep. specific way. You know, it, it's um, the thing I come back to a lot with this movie. Uh, the actors in interviews talk a lot about the luxury of having extra rehearsal time at the beginning of the picture before they, they started, mm -hmm. you know, whole hog into, um, into principal photography where they workshopped things. And this scene in particular, like there's this one, there's the, the Norman scene with the mask later, uh, you know, that are very clearly, I think some of the warmth and the beauty came out of having time to workshop it with each other. Cause this one feels like a, a almost a little bit of a play is, you know, the only other way I can phrase it. Um, mm -hmm. Like this, we have a little window into their world and they carry on with it for a bit until Peter comes in and it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, P uh, uh, ben references that he was, I love that he just says the plant because we don't need to know anything other than that. Like we don't need to know what kind of plant, just the plant. Yeah. He was the plant senior electrician for 35 years and was laid off after 35 years. And I just, I look at this situation and I just go, 
my God, how was he not part of a union? Because that is not something that should happen. Yeah. It's interesting you should say that because he's literally, the way he's dressed in the scene is exactly how Jack Kelly dresses in Newsies. And that's all I've been able to think about. And that's all about forming a union and how, yeah. you know, if if your, if your old man had a union, I bet he wouldn't be in this situation and you wouldn't have yeah. to do that. I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe you said yeah. yeah. It is, yeah, it is a uniquely, like, tragic uh, uh, circumstance that you would not expect to, to, to shake out that way in, you know, 1999 right. or 2000, whenever they started writing the script. Um, like, I could understand... Like a forced retirement kind of thing or yeah. like that's the sort of thing you do to someone after 35 years. You don't lay them off. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You give them a watch and send them on their merry way. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's what you do. You know, you put the old people on the boat and then you, yeah. you push the iceberg into the air or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's Shit, what you do. You don't lay them gently. off. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it works. Um yeah. yeah, it's 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 nuts. Un- unions. This is this is you know Ben Ben Parker would be working if there he was in a union. If he was in a union, yeah, yeah. Oh well, um, Naomi, I'm going to put off asking the questions for another minute. <laughs> and by that we mean another day. <laughs> another day, yeah. Uh, it's because uh, this, we went down a few uh, few rabbit holes this minute. So I'm good um, at rabbit holes. They're yeah, we, They're important we are. Yeah. Uh, so go to moviesbyminutes.com and check and see if there's a, you know, maybe your favorite movie is being done. If you're not already listening to it, uh, doing <laughs> being done in the uh, movies by minutes format. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something like 50 shows now that are that are happening or have happened. Uh, so go check that out. Um, and, and try out some of the, uh, some of our, uh, movies by minutes brethren, mm-hmm. of course, including star Wars minute, the, uh, the guys that started it all Oh yeah. and, uh, uh, check out some of the other ones, uh, including the ones that dueling genre like, uh, Harry Potter minute, Lord of the Rings minute, Ooh. uh, next month we have Ferris Bueller minute coming, nice. yes. uh, and starting in July, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles minute, what? uh, so go go check out all of that stuff and uh you know we'll be back tomorrow with minute uh, 14 bye thanks guys